The first thing I tell anybody who comes up in these woods is, if you ever get lost, just follow the water. Usually it will take you to a village or a town or a bridge or someplace, and you'll know where you are at that point. At least if you don't know where you are, there's people there that can tell you where you are. So. <laughs> We've had people come up here that weren't oriented to the woods at all. They did get lost up here, and we had one spend a night hmm. up here in these woods. And finally, the following day, somebody came up and found them. Do they testify to having a deeply spiritual experience? <laughs> I'm certain they did, but they said probably never come back. <laughs> it scared the daylights out of them. <laughs> Dear listeners, this is a special edition of Interfaith-ish. I am your host, Jack Gordon, and typically every other Wednesday you can find us on Tacoma Radio, where we bring you bold conversations about what we believe, why we believe, and how we navigate the common ground and differences between our traditions. Dear listeners, we will be resuming our regular schedule next week. But in the meantime, our team of interfaith astronauts is hard at work on our fall lineup of amazing guests. Since this week marks Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, it feels appropriate that we would take the time to reflect and plan, closing out one season and beginning a new one. So in the interim, I'm very happy to present you with this impromptu, intercalary episode of Interfaith-ish. For the first in what I'm hoping will be a series of interfaith field trips, we'll be visiting the Spirit in Nature Interfaith Paths in Ripton, Vermont. I've had the good fortune to spend some time up in Vermont the past few summers and was delighted to almost literally stumble upon this inspiring project tucked away in the Green Mountains. The Spirit in Nature Interfaith Paths are a network of hiking trails just east of Middlebury, Vermont. Each trail is named for a particular religious or spiritual tradition. As you hike the trails, you come across quotes from the various traditions that speak about our connection to the natural world. For this interview, I met up with Reg Spooner, one of the founders of Spirit and Nature, as well as Ray Hudson and Barry Lane of the local Baha'i community, who have been longtime contributors to the project. As we set out from the trailhead, I asked Reg to tell me how they started the paths. Back in 1984, the Dalai Lama came to visit Middlebury for a symposium. Six years later, they brought him back again. And that time they had a, a symposium called Spirit and Nature. And they had a lot of religious leaders here. And after the second meeting, it was a whole bunch of people around here. They were thinking, this idea ought not die. Just, you know, you've got to keep it alive somehow. So a Unitarian minister from Rutland by the name of Paul Bortz came up with the idea we ought to have a path sanctuary that everybody could be involved in, every re- religious sect, whatever. So we formed a little group, and each one of us put $500 in it, and we ended up with $5,000. Ten of us put money in it. And who, who were the groups that were involved from that, that earliest well, time? Myself, my wife, uh, Paul Bortz, Catherine Nichols, who was a Episcopal priest here at the time, um, Alan Hunt, who was a philanthropist from Burlington, uh, Steve Rockefeller, uh, 
was a professor at Millbury College at the time. He was the guy that got Dalai Lama here. Uh, they happened to be good friends. Steve Rockefeller was more Buddhist than anything. Other than that, uh, I don't think we had any Jews initially. We got uh, Mahmoud in, uh, from the uh, Muslim tradition after a while. But uh, yes, we did. Um, Lutzgarten, Bruce, uh, Bruce Lutzgarten from Mountain Shoreham was involved in it when we first started. He was our Jewish representative. Anyways, we, that's where we got him. So we started looking around for land. And we looked in New York State. We looked in all over Vermont. Um, we looked mostly in Chittenden County. And we couldn't find anything that really suited us. And nobody seemed to want to get involved with us because we were such a startup organization. Nobody knew us about knew anything about us. And everybody thought we were going to be a religious organization, <clears throat> which we really are not. We are... We represent a lot of religions, but we're not a religious organization as such. We don't have a hierarchy. So my wife is alum from Middlebury College. One meeting after about a year, somebody said to my wife, he says, why don't you go to the college since you're an alum? Maybe you can get them to do something. So she went to John McArdle, who was the president at the time, told him, told him what our idea was. And John says, I don't know. Let me take it to the trustees and see what happens. So he did, and they were really reluctant to get involved. Finally, I said, well, we'll show you some spots up in Ripton that you're pretty remote that we don't do much with. Maybe you can find some use for it. So we we hunted all over the college land up here for probably two months. And I don't know how many trips it came up. I wandered through the woods. And finally, one day, this was almost the last resort, and... uh, we walked in here, and the parking lot out there was partially cleared. There was a spot where they had been logging here many years ago, and there was trees or just a little brush. There wasn't much of anything in there. And then we walked into this spot, and this was just exactly like it is right now, except they didn't have the benches. There was not a tree, not a stump, nothing growing in here, and we couldn't figure out why. But it's a, uh, there's a sacred circle. That was our idea. The whole idea initially was to make a wagon wheel and with spokes from each religious going to it hmm. with an access path around the outside. Well, we didn't quite match that, but what we did do, it started with a sacred circle and then we built the UU path since that was Paul Bortz's favorite. And so we got that one and it came in right there. And then we had Steve Rockefeller since he was one of the major contributors right off the bat for the Buddhist path, and that ends right there. <laughs> so those two initially came in. Then we started figuring out where we could put other paths. And my wife and I and Catherine Nichols got together and we decided where we would put a Christian path. And so we got the Christian path started. Then uh, after we got those two, the Quakers came along. They wanted a path. Well, we kind of didn't have any place to put them here. So, well, we got a whole bunch of land on the other side of the river. Oh, they said. So they went over and they picked the choicest spot right along the bank of the river. And all the way up and it comes to a dead end up there. And I remember taking a yu-yu on that path right after we got it open. He said, boy, Reg, I think I'm going to have to switch religions. Their path is nicer than ours. (laughs) 
So then Ray came in with the Baha'i path, and that was the next one that was started over there. And then we got the Muslim and the Jewish path, and then the Hindu showed up all of a sudden. So, so we put a Hindu path with a loop on it up there. And just a couple of years ago, we had a guy join us that, uh, who was a pagan. He wasn't anything. And he wanted a path for him. I said, why not? I said, we've got lots of people around here that don't have any religion. None is probably the most popular religion. So we made the pagan path. Then we got a bunch of college students and we made the interfaith peace path, which goes really long, about two miles long, <clears throat> all the way up and back, clear to the Robert Frost property, went in back. Was it three years ago? We finally got the Native American path built and got them together. And we had a, a Cherokee from Bristol that really put everything together. And she did a beautiful job. And I think you know her, Jennifer Vignac. Mm. She's a she's a sweetheart. She really is. And when she got that all together, so now we have a Native American path to add to all, of the, all the rest of them. As Ray knows, all the paths were laid out by the individual religion, where they wanted to go, how they wanted to be, and the signs go up on them are all picked out by them. So if I understood you correctly, it sounds like as the the participation of the different communities expanded. Each group was tasked not only with with figuring out where their path was going to be and what the route was going to be through the woods and maintaining that, but also selecting various quotes right. that would be appropriate to, to... So is there any, is there any um, uh, discussion about that or conversation about that, or is it just to each their own? They, well, they the can one requirement we ask all of the different groups is don't be offensive to the other groups. <laughs> That's the only thing we asked. And and so far, we've not had any problem with that at all. Basically, they were quotes about how we react in nature and how our our, our ability to, to change our attitude towards nature. And that's what the whole thing is all about. Um, we just want to make everybody conscious of what is happening to our world. And we are the cause of it. We can't blame anybody else, and we're all at fault. I'm not any cleaner or any better than anybody else, and I just want everybody to realize that we can do something about it, too. We can change it. What about you, Ray? So uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear what your your take is. And, I'm and always just involved. amazed at at this place because it's a relatively small group of volunteers. Reg is the main person to take care of the trails, and and he he gets help where he can sometimes with college students and other volunteers. But it's a relatively small group, and yet when you come here, it's so expansive, and uh, and it, it's really breathtaking. Um, uh, and, and there's, like you mentioned, there's a, a great variety in the trails. Right. And no two of them are alike. Everyone has its own personality. Yeah, and, and its own beauty. And, yeah. and you can see one trail from another kind of thing, which is, which is I, I like also. You know, wondering, what, what's that trail down there? And you go and investigate it. Um, so it's, it's just a remarkable gift to, to the greater, you know, Middlebury community, greater Vermont community.
And I think I think there's a fruit tree of some kind up near the Baha'i Trail, which is always intriguing right. to yeah. me. There's yeah, a, there's a, uh, actually there's a half a dozen apple trees yes. up there. Yes, yeah. In the spring yeah. of year, when they're in blossom, you can pick them out very easily because you yeah. see their color. Yeah. But uh, that uh, there's a great story about that too. That whole area over there, this all this area was farm farmland back in the uh, 1830s, 40s. There was no trees here at all. There was not a tree in this whole area. They had a, a man that used to live in East Millbury that was a forester, and he taught me how to read these woods. You could tell by looking at the trees what the woods, how old they are, when was the last time it was cleared, and by looking at the size of the trees. And of course, this is all plantation pine here where they, I suspect Millbury College came in and planted these Sometime it was probably Joseph Battelle since it was part of his land, probably in the early 20th century. So these trees are probably 100 years old or so. Uh, but you go into areas where uh, there's really big trees, like down by the river down there. There's, there's, a, there's one pine tree down there that's like that big that is probably 150 years, 200 years old. We have groups of college students come every fall. Uh, orientation week, they take the students from out of the country primarily and take them out and put them into the woods so they know what it's like to be in the woods. Uh, most of them have never been in the woods period in their lives. And so we have usually groups of dozen or 15, sometimes 25. Once in a while it will be a big group, like 30 or 40. But they'll bring, bring them up here, and some of them are oriented to creative writing, some of them are oriented to some other so I'll have them come up and walk a path and see it get ideas come over sit down do some writing and then they'll they'll produce you know present what they've done give all the kids a chance to get oriented in this place and we've had almost every year we've get at least one or two students out of that group that become very interested in spirit and nature and end up being members of the board of trustees Shortly after it got opened up, we had a young lady up the road, not too far from here, that was uh, writing our newsletter for us. And uh, her father came to visit from Miami, and he was up here, and she told him about this place. And he went for a walk one day, and he comes down. So he walks up here, and he sees the sacred circle. And in those days, we didn't have benches here yet. And uh, so he lays down on the ground, starts looking up through that hole in the trees, and he laid there, and he didn't want to get up. And he laid there, and he still didn't want to get up. Finally, after half an hour or so, he says, i got to get the kids to school. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets up and runs home. And he tells his daughter about it. She comes down, and she does the same thing. <laughs> there is something mesmerizing about this place. It was here when we felt it, when we initially saw it. And... Uh, it still is a, still has this mystique right now. Right? You, know, you can feel it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really amazing to hear that that it was as you see it now, that it had this orientation. You can feel that centering energy right. being right here. We had a huge wedding here last year. They built an archway here, 
lined all the benches up so they could have a wedding. There was a gay couple from Portland, Maine, came over here to have their wedding. And I was absolutely blown away with that. I couldn't believe it. That they came all this way. Came this too, yeah. yeah. yeah it's incredible. like 250 miles. Yeah. Huh? yeah. And you want all the religions of the world to be at your wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place. It's a lot of blessings <laughs> yeah. going on. <laughs> So I'm I'm curious for the local Baha'i community to be involved with this. It's you know it's a relatively small community, very small. <laughs> and when one comes here, it's it's of equal size and merit as as, as any of the other traditions. So wh- why is it that the the local Baha'i community would choose to be involved with this? Why is that an important uh, aspect of the Baha'i faith? When you see a building, a building is from the world of people, whether it's a beautiful temple or a Gothic cathedral or anything else. But, but trees, you know, you can't say, well, that's a Christian tree <laughs> or that's a, you know what I mean? It's something, it's nature. And I think it really brings across the Baha'i idea that we're all flowers of one garden, that we're all, you know, leaves of one tree, and that all religions, you know, have a similar branch. And this place here, where for some reason nothing grows, but that's like the, the, ce- the center, <laughs> that's the center uh, where we kind of, uh, you know, where we stand, you know, in, with all the religions of the world and all the people of the world around this one spiritual place. I think that's why this place is very powerful. When you're inside a building, you're inside that building, but the whole earth is this building and the ceiling is the sky and and we're all standing as one people within with all these different religions but within the same uh, church or garden, whatever you want to call this place, palace (laughs) of of, uh, a spirit, palace of spirit. I wanted to ask also about the, the future of the labyrinth. How did the labyrinth come about? Well, Catherine Nichols, who was uh, involved in the Episcopal Church here at the time, <clears throat> one day he says, uh, we ought to have a labyrinth. And there was a big fad in the wintertime. Everybody was putting labyrinths in gyms, you know, and there people go out and walk and donate money. They were making money for different organizations. <clears throat> So we had to have a labyrinth up here. It's okay. So she and Randy and uh, Barbara Hardy got together. The three of them came up here and started picking up stones, built a labyrinth there, and uh, cleaned out the area. There was some small brush in there, but they cleaned out the brush and made the little labyrinth. And Anyways, it's been one of the big attractions up here. It's been very interesting to me that that so many young people are very interested in it. Of course, it's a very, very old tradition. It's probably, it's older than than even Judaism, I think. It's like 6,000 years old. Um, Nobody has any idea where it came from. But the oldest labyrinths I know of are are all in Europe, but uh, uh, they are fascinating. But it's a meditative walk. It's you start out and you think about why you're here and what you're doing. And many high school groups, particularly, they're usually rambunctious, jumping up and down and hollering and yelling when they get into the woods. And I says, okay, 
you're going to have to follow me for the, through the labyrinth. But there's no talking. There's no noise at all. You just walk very slowly. And I'll lead them through the labyrinth and then back out of it. And they'll also obey, obey my commands perfectly. And they'll, kids don't do that. You know? <laughs> that's, that's sort of fascinating. There's some sort of a trance that labyrinths have over young people particularly. But but the, the, the whole woods is a meditative walk, really. Mm-hmm. Have you ever encountered any any animals? Oh wild yes, animals all the time. What, what, is, what are the? In fact, yesterday when I was working animals. on the on the uh, uh, druid path over there, I came onto some tracks, fresh tracks of water was walk, running back into of a bear. Mm. So I know he was he was there or she was there somewhere around. I didn't see. Her. Of course, I had machinery, so they they could hear me a lot a lot quicker than I could hear them. So. We've had people see moose here in the in the woods, um, like up many times over on the other side of the road, see deer and deer tracks. Mm-hmm. And not too much on this side, but a lot on the other side. Uh, coon, we see them in here a lot. Once in a while, we see a skunk, but not very often. And do you do you personally have a a favorite path to go along? They're all my favorites. <laughs> No, as I said earlier, that they all have their own personality. Every path does. One of the interesting things, when the Jews and the Muslims came here, they both came the same year, and they wanted to lay out their paths. We just we didn't tell them where the other one was, or neither one, and we didn't know where either one was at the time. They went over the other side of the road, and I showed them the area that they could go be in. So... With initially, when they marked the paths, we'd give them some ribbons and they tie them to the tree where they wanted to go. And then after we get the paths uh, cleaned out, then they come figure out what's, where they want to put signs and so on. So then we put the signs up. Well, I was, had a couple of court diversion kids working for me at the time and helping me with clearing out the paths. And uh, we're following along where the Muslim path is. Got that path done. We went back and started on the Jewish path. And it comes out. The two come together at the very end. They come very, you know. And so we made the made the paths come together. So if you get get off the Jewish path, you go on the Muslim path. If you get off the Muslim path, you go on to the Jewish path. Well, we're clearing out the Jewish path, and we're coming down to. We're almost to the point where they're going to be joining. It was like from here to that tree, and kid behind me was raking and all of a sudden what's this he looked down and it was a piece of barbed wire huh. old old barbed wire probably a hundred some odd years old that was in the ground and we found a second one there evidently was a fence there so I turned to those two boys and I said I think there's a power stronger than us around here somewhere we better go home and talk about this <laughs> So that piece of barbed wire is still sitting there right next to that tree right now. Mm-hmm. And Interesting. Mm. So the paths are joined. And they're joined. Over the barbed wire. Yep. Dear listeners, that's a wrap on this special edition of Interfaith-ish. Thanks to Reg Spooner, Ray Hudson, and Barry Lane for spending time with me on the trails. To learn more about the Spirit in Nature Interfaith Paths, check out spiritinnature.org. 
I highly recommend you visit the trails the next time you find yourself in Vermont. And thanks as always to my fellow interfaith istronauts, Miranda Hovmeyer and Sue Katz-Miller, and a fuerte abrazo to our composer Jeff Philosopher for providing all the awesome music tracks in this episode. You definitely deserve an extra large maple creamy. And of course, thank you, dear listeners. You can find all our Interfaith-ish episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review, and let us know if there's Interfaith-ish you wish to dish by writing us an email at interfaithish at gmail.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-F-A-I-T-H-I-S-H at gmail.com. Interfaithish will be back next week on Wednesday, September 19th at 9 p.m. live on the air in the D.C. area at WOWD 94.3 FM and streaming worldwide at TacomaRadio.org. Fins and turns and twist and then just and just And what happened? Did we make it? Did you see what we did? Look what happened. We were in the middle and now we're on the outside. How did we get it all the way to the outside? I guess because we crossed over. Is that how it happened? Or did we continue on the path? I don't know which direction we're walking in now. I think you're walking towards the end. Towards the not towards the middle? Right. Wait a minute, we got confused. Our detour put us off the path.